Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for an academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Does he have it? Yes, he does! all stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. A black future happens all the time. It's built on a foundation of those who have paved the way. A generation ago, all of this would have seemed unheard of. And what's new to the world now will be incomparable to what's coming up next. Trust your dream. The future is counting on it. Greetings and salutations. Hoping all is well with you. Another episode of Fangs Up. And if you didn't watch the game last night, I'm not sure you're looking at because it was a good experience. We did do a little post-game instant reaction last night. We're going to try and make that a thing. Try to make that where after the games, we do a little kind of what did we notice, what we didn't notice, and what some things we could improve upon are. And shout out to HBCU Digital. Also, the Black Techies, if you're not listening to those guys, they are very informative. If you are much like myself and a little bit of a blurred, um, they are great. They're informative. And they are also here on HBCU Digital. Now, we're going to go away for the moneymaker first. Make you make you wait a little bit for that. But uh, the volleyball team was out at the Kansas State Tournament and out there in Kansas the Little Apple, Manhattan, we went 0 for 3. And I went on board saying if we finished 1 for 2, I would be okay. 0 for 3, I could understand it, but I wouldn't be happy. So we lost to NC State, 0 to 3 sets. We lost to Sam Houston State, 1 to 3 sets. And we lost to Kansas State, 0 to 3. So we went out there, went to Tornado Alley, and we got swept. Not what you want as far as beginning the regular season. But again, you're playing good level competition. And when you play good competition, you expect to lose some games. But our next opponent will be the Florida State University, August 31st. That is a Wednesday. And Florida State has a good volleyball program, especially ever since Stan Wilcox kind of got there. He was there when Jimbo was kind of there at the end. And that's when the Olympic sports picked up when you notice the softball program got really good, volleyball got good, women's basketball, men's basketball, pretty much everything but football was good during the at the end of the Wilcox era. And we're going to be able to see. Hopefully, we're able to compete. FSU, again, has a good volleyball program, both beach volleyball and non-beach volleyball. They actually go to the national championships for beach volleyball almost every year at this point. So you're playing good-level competition. And so the fact that you're losing a good level competition, it doesn't make the losses any better, but it makes it more understandable as a fan, especially when you consider that we are a burgeoning program. We're trying to we're trying to get better. Hopefully we can increase our support for those programs, especially through alumni donations. So one of the things we're going to be looking forward to. Also, the golf program 
golf program, even though we don't have a golf coach right now that has been named, has been was was invited, not has been. They were invited to the Charlie Sifford Centennial Cup. Charlie Sifford Cup is named after a golfing legend, black man who was very influential in the sport of golf. And this tournament involves six HBCUs that were all invited. And check your social media because they the university has been doing a very good good job. Uh, Joshua Padilla and the crew over there do an amazing job considering everything that's going on. But they actually have a video where we're able to see that the athletes are receiving some Nike gear, obviously came to Nike school and some of the other things that are just to get the students ready. So hopefully this is one of the coaching positions that we get filled pretty quickly. If you do not remember, FAMU's golf coach did leave for Prairie View because honestly, he got a better offer. I mean, we could lie or we could keep it a buck and just tell the unmitigated truth that he got a better offer. And because of that better offer, he left. So uh, we're going to see. Hopefully the tournament works out well for our golf tournament and our golf athletes. And the guys start on pretty much tomorrow. So that's going to be very exciting to see how we fare. Hopefully, again, we're able to do very well. The students are able to utilize some of that training and practice they've received. All right. So that being stated, we talked about the volleyball program and what we just did this weekend. Talked about upcoming with golf. And now we're going to get into the UNC recap. But before we do that, we take a short break. Honestly, it's going to be a water break, so I can get some coffee, some tea. But we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back talk about the UNC recap. And we're going to finish up by talking about this NCA compliance stuff. Thanks. Guys. A black future happens all the time. It's built on a foundation of those who have paved the way. Trust your dream. The future is counting on it. All right, we're back. Look, told y'all, I didn't tell you this time it wasn't going to be long, but it wasn't long. All right, so the UNC recap, and it was up until Friday night. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of excited, very jazzed, and then all that to do happened. And the first question was going to be, what was going to be our mindset? Will we come to win? And I think we did, really, until that Last interception in the second quarter, you, you, that's when the game, to me, took a tie, took a turn for uh, for the worst. I had a friend of mine, he was like, that was a momentum change. I was like, yeah, if you believe in momentum, that was where the momentum shifted. Uh, just because all of a sudden we gave away the ball, UNC scored a touchdown, and then UNC got the ball back after the half. So you got kind of double negatives right there, which don't make a positive. But one positive we did have, Money Man Musa. And if y'all ask who I feel like I created the nickname. Now, he may have had a coach who did it before me, but I didn't hear that person. So for me and for my records, he is Money Man Musa. And Musa was dropping dimes. Like the moose was loose in the house or whatever you want to say. But Musa had a fairly good game. Uh, 28 for 38 is where, where I'm seeing in, one, in some places two touchdowns and one pick. The pick was egregious, but at the same point, Coach Simmons did take responsibility for that. He stated that he was trying to be aggressive. He was felt like the team had a chance. 
and in this type of game and this type of atmosphere before attrition set in because he made the point if we score at the end of that second quarter it's a different ball game and all of a sudden you're putting a little more pressure on north carolina than than what was there and even if you go back and watch on the acc network the post-game interview matt brown was over there saying yeah number eight was good like they were i was wondering why they're switching quarterbacks and i see why like that wasn't what they prepared for i mean i i think one of the nice things to say is kind of looking at what musa was going against as far as coverage it did look like unc was playing a little bit off coverage for, for my from my perspective and i especially even though the cameras going out may have been an annoyance for some i actually like the all 22 vert view because i could really see the whole field and you can kind of see the plays as they happened and you can see where the receivers and corners were supposed to be where the quarterbacks are supposed to throw the ball i appreciated that but musa musa should have taken the check down and that's not me like second guessing that is what was said in the post-game interview and even Musa, it was stated that Musa recognized, like, I was too aggressive. I should have taken the check down. After that, um, for the rest of the game that Musa's in there, he's still pretty solid, even when the offensive line starts to kind of get a little torn down, a little worn out. Uh, he, he looked good. And if that's some of what we're going to see next week, I'm going to be excited about that. We'll talk about that probably on Thursday. But I'll say this. I don't think you get the same kind of coverage out of Jackson State that we got out of UNC. I think UNC was very vanilla. They were very kind of, all right, we're going to just try not to put too much film out there because we have an opponent coming next uh, in Appalachian State, which is going to be a closer game than a lot of people really realize. But that being the case, Musa was solid. And I've stated this even during the preseason after the spring game. I told you, and I'm, I'm not one of those people. I'm not petty like that. But I'm a little petty, and when I tell you something, and I'm like, I really believe it, I'm going to say it, especially when I'm right. And I was wrong on some of the score predictions um, uh, from penalty talk. I missed on that Nebraska game. Uh, but Musa, yeah, told y'all, that dude was like that. And it, it's not a slight on McKay, though. Like said it a couple times before, McKay's a good quarterback. He is very responsible with the football. And – Again, he had five interceptions last year. I'm not going to say my little term, but he had five. It wasn't a lot because I think he had two. I know he had two against one team in particular. So, again, we're going to see how this looks, how this comes out, because we really don't know what we're going to see against Jackson State coming in for, like this version of them. But that being stated, Musa was solid, shown why he was QB1. Also, the family receivers, they were nice, like, them boys lit, <laughs> and they might have got themselves some looks and some some positive. They put good film out there. That, that's what I was looking for. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to roll my eyes, but uh, <laughs> but they put good film out there. And in putting good film out there, you kind of came away with the perception and the idea that these guys really haven't worked on their craft. There weren't a lot of drop balls that were just the quarterback threw it there and the receiver just batted it down. I, I didn't see a lot of that. And considering it was raining, especially that sideline catch where Musa throws a dime, and that's a catch in, in the NFL, two feet in. A solid ball, solid catch. 
The receivers looked really good. X-Man, he played to a point to where the the announcers were even saying, like, Xavier, yeah, that, that dude's a good receiver. And I, I just – I came away with a good feeling when, it, when I looked at our receivers and our tight ends. I told you all about them tight ends. Like, that was an unsung position, and it was. Like, we saw where a couple of times – we were able to utilize the tight ends to get them involved in the game. That's going to be a fun wrinkle. I think we saw the Willie sprint, the Willie screen, which I know is not my favorite play, but it worked. Like I'm with you when you're right. And coach Simmons, I don't love the Willie Simmons screen. And I just called the Willie screen. Cause when we had Willie Taggart and Willie Simmons, we, they both ran that screen. And honestly, doggone Mike Norvell ran it too. So it's, it's a, it's a part of college football, but it worked. Family ran that screen got a goodly amount of numbers of yards, like very, very well done. And it, it was good production. As far as the offensive line, uh, we, we as y'all saw, we lost a couple linemen before the game. We lost two linemen during the game. Felt like Goss kind of got whipped one time uh, on the as a tackle there. And uh, that was something that I personally was forewarned about, um, not by any person individual, but just because – as y'all know, I'm a fan of you and an FSU fan, so I do listen to the ONG Strike Zone, but I also listen to the NoCast. Like, I listen, I listen to both of them. And so that was one of the things, if you listen to Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, when he was there, they did talk about that. And when it happened and it was against ACC-level talent, I was not surprised, but I was kind of like, yo, this is kind of why Musa might be back there because he, he does have a quicker release. He does probably rely on the pre-snap a little more than some may love, but that ball is coming out there, and he's a good quarterback. Uh, very very nice guy, too, respectable guy. Had the opportunity to meet him at the spring game. So total of two turnovers uh, when we're talking about turnovers, and I'm sorry for the pause, but that, that was – neither one of them were turnovers that you won. One was a – not a great pass by Musa. We'll say it. It was a bad pass. Like, we'll say it. It was a bad pass by Musa, and it's not a critique on Musa. That's not saying it's just they both, the coach and the player, both addressed that it was a bad pass. Then you get a fumble, and uh, fumbling is just one of those things. It's never something that you like to have happen or that you want to have happen, but it happens. So uh, it is what it is when it comes to that. Uh, special teams, though, one of the big highlights was the return of Chris Padul and – the players were celebrating and we we were able to hear in the press conference where coach Simmons was just celebrating how, or talking how happy everyone was to see Chris Padula come back 55 yard punt. And for the most part, maybe special things were solid. Like the kicks were good. We had one kick that I remember that went out of bounds. Other than that, the kick coverage was good. You're going to need that again. Like Jackson state has the best, if not second best kick returner in the conference. That's got to be a focus. you got to pay that some attention. You cannot ignore that. That dude, he transferred from Florida State, and he went to Jackson State, and he tore it up last year. Like This game has two of the best kick returners in the swag. Like, I'm not trying to project on to Saturday yet. I'll wait till Thursday, but I'm going to forewarn you. FAMU sec- uh, special teams did really well, and we're going to need more of that. Now, the defense, the defensive line did good. Like, I I ain't gonna lie. I didn't think we were gonna get that kind of penetration against North Carolina, and we did really good. I've told y'all that this quarterback for UNC was more mobile than, than you thought. I looked at his film, and 
when you looked at his spring game film from his first year, he didn't really run. I mean, throw. He just ran the ball a lot, and he was able to get a lot of yards. He gets one really long run against us where I felt like our linebacker was blocked in the back, but no flag is thrown, and it kind of is what it is. But And I don't expect Coach Sims to say that because the SWAT might find him, but guess what? I don't work for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They're not going to find me today. So um, I will say I felt like that was a block in the back uh, on that play there. And, again, somewhat negligible, but it happened. Uh, the quarterback, once he, he kind of started off, he was hot. But, again, the defensive line was good. One of the things, even though Coach Simmons kind of talked about it, I was okay with the tackling. I felt like once we got tired, the tackling became more of an issue. But early on, man, the tackling was pretty decent. Um, considering third, fourth quarter, it got a little worse. End of the second uh, second quarter, tackling kind of falls off. But again, that's not long after that pick. The interception happens. North Carolina gets the ball back on our side of the field, really inside the red zone almost. So kind of is one of those things like uh, we gave them really good field position at a time where our defense kind of, really had a good drive and it would have been a good time for them to get that rest and to really get the rest to maybe even just get a field goal and carry it in the overtime would have been a nice thing. Uh, that way, not overtime, halftime, excuse me. Uh, that would have been nice because you would have got the break from the long drive coinciding with halftime. Gives you a chance to refresh. But also, I enjoyed looking at our linebacker core. Our linebackers were there. I appreciated Coach Smith. Uh, Smitty Rock, that corner blitz was gutsy. It didn't work, but I liked it. Like, I liked the aggression. I felt like at times last year, we were a little uh, vanilla. We were a little kind of like, we do what we do. We do it well. We're going to rely on talent. But he threw some exotic blitzes out there. Um, didn't Sometimes we did seem to get lost in coverage when uh, UNC threw some of those deep balls. But – all in all, it was a good defensive performance. I mean, honestly, the game doesn't get out of hand to the third quarter. And that being the case, UNC scores at the end of the half, right before halftime. Then they get the ball in the opening kickoff of the half, and they score again. It, it could have been worse. I'll say that. But it could have been better. And I'm not going to be one of those that are, if we had all our guys, we would have done this. Like, that's hyperbolic. And that is creating excuses. Like, I'm not going to give ourselves excuses. We have some type of issues that we need to address. And they are related to NCA compliance. So, uh, But in all, FAMU loses the game. And it's a it was, to me, a great learning process, though. Like, 56-24, I believe, um, you saw that you have a quarterback. We know who quarterback one is, and excuse the ums. It's also raining and lightning behind me, but that's not an excuse. We lost the game, but you have QB1. The running game looked really good. A shorthanded and probably overmatched offensive line looked solid. You also had where the defense looked good. The secondary was pretty solid. Like, we didn't have BJ Bowler. But doggo Kendall was all over the field. Kendall Bowler may have made himself some money in that game. I, I, I think that's one player 
we're not talking a lot about. Also, uh, Fagan, the linebacker, all over the field. I don't know if he made himself some money, but he put out some good film. Like, And considering all that happens, and then the Dallas Cowboys are playing the Seahawks, and Marquise Bell gets a pick. Like, just saying, it was in a night of where we can talk about all the shortcomings and what could have and should have been, you came out with getting some respect and putting out some good film. And you have your quarterback one. The quarterback competition has been settled, if you ask me. But at the same point, McKay needs to stay warm. We may need him. And hopefully we can get healthy. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about this NCAA compliance stuff. I'm not going to go into any detail that I don't have, but we're going to just talk talk about and kind of some of the information that we have and that we were given. This We all stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. A Black future happens all the time. It's built on a foundation of those who have paved the way. A generation ago, all of this would have seemed unheard of. And what's new to the world now will be incomparable to what's coming up next. Trust your dream. The future is counting on it. All right, y'all, I'm not going to lie. My favorite part of the commercial is when the brothers are doing like the fake stepping because you don't know what organization they're in, but I digress. All right, so um, we obviously have NCA compliance issues. Like, let's just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Something ain't going right. Part of it is we don't have enough people working there. Um, and we were told uh, that the coaches were going to start working on some of this on Monday. Hopefully, we can get some players back. And hope, hopefully where you can get some waivers. So we're looking to see if the NCA will grant some waivers for the athletes and also get players certified. And all of this coincides with when we're supposed to find out who our new athletic director is. And I'm not going to be one of the apologists that say this doesn't happen if Gauthier's here. I don't think it does. But at the same point, we all have heard the rumor mill. Rumor mill and I'm not going to stir it up, but it is what it is and what ha- what's happened, happened. I We're going to have to hire an athletic director that knows NCA. We also have to get compliance people. And by hook or crook, and I'll give people their flowers, Kofi Hemingway is definitely one of the people who has been saying this. FAMU needs to increase its athletic budget. And it's just kind of a thing. Like, you've in- you're increasing enrollment. This looks like enrollment is set to increase. You are in the process of being able to generate additional funds and you have more things that are happening. But I, I, I don't know a nice way of saying this. If the football program is not winning, it's going to cut into your donations because the football program and the band program are the bell cows for people who want to support the university. Some people just want to support FAMU because it's FAMU, but a lot of people are more interested in supporting the programs when, or the university, when those programs are winning and doing well. The Marching 100 is doing great. They are. And hopefully fairly soon we get some information about some ways to support them because we just saw this North Carolina game. It was a different game with the 100 there. Imagine if the 100 goes to all the away games and then maybe we get an increased piece of the gate, however, whatever you want to do with that. But all of a sudden, 
it's a different game on the hundreds in town. And if the football team is going to be hamstrung and the athletics program in general is going to be hamstrung because of lack of investment, it's going to hurt the university as a whole. We need to increase the number of compliance officers. It makes no sense for one person to be responsible for 150 to 200 individuals. That's ridiculous. It should it should at least be the point that you at least break that out between three to four. Like if you broke that out to at least four, that's still a yeoman's task, but it's a doable task. You can give people almost like guidance counselors and a caseload. And then that at least makes it somewhat doable and it makes the process go go further. But if you read the letter that I read, it said, well, we're going to put some people on it that are already working here. That's not the answer because now you're adding to the plate of people that already have a full plate and who may not be well-versed in NCAA athletics and how NCAA programs work. It's asinine at the least and foolhardy at the most to sit up here and expect individuals to all of a sudden learn NCAA compliance rules and regulations along with something else like that. It's not what you do. Like, I'm sorry, it's not what you do. I don't go to Whataburger looking for a Big Mac. I don't like Big Macs as it is, but I'm going to McDonald's for a Big Mac. If you want a Big Mac, you go to the Big Mac people. If you want NCA compliance people, you get NCA compliance people. You don't hire third-party people or you don't pull people off campus to do it. Like, not saying they can't do it, but it's not the right way to do it. When you're doing that kind of thing, you're setting yourself up for continued mistakes and other things like that. And it's just, it makes it that much harder. It makes recruiting harder. Granted, we put on a good show. So when you put on a good show like that, I mean, and you all saw it, like one of our, our fam, you commit, like his quarterback was like, yo, I'm thinking my fam, you now three-star quarterback. Why? Cause fam, you put on a good show. Musa went out there looking good, throwing dimes. And all of a sudden, even though you lost and it's a Pyrrhic victory, there ain't no such thing as a good loss, but you look good losing. The uniforms were crisp. The 100 was there. The team played hard. Like, And even the fact that you were missing one-third of your roster did not change the fact that you put up a good effort. And you looked good enough to where recruits were like, I still want to go to FAMU. And where, where coaches like, yo, four- and five-star prospects, why not come to FAMU? Right. Why not? But why go? We have to give these kids a reason to come to FAMU. Like, I want to win. I'm impassioned. But I'm also not unrealistic to the fact that that kind of stuff doesn't bode well for the success of the players. And it doesn't support our coaches. Like, how are we supposed to support our coaches when – they they already kind of having to fight certain things and we're not giving them the tools to be even more successful because to consider how last season went and all the potential athletes that we brought in and we lost some athletes, like go back and look at the students who have committed to FAMU that were transfers and look at the roster up until a few weeks ago, all those students that committed to FAMU that were supposed to transfer in, especially JUCO, they're not there. So we, we have to put systems in place that are successful. 
And to have this idea of we're going to go recreate the wheel, it's silly. The best thing to do is get someone who's had success doing something somewhere else. Find a person, NCA compliance, that has done this at a smaller school that knows how to work it. Bring them to FAMU and let them do better with more. Same thing with athletic director. Find an athletic director that has some success and have them come to FAMU and continue that success. Because otherwise, we're really setting our coaches up to not want to be here. Because you can't tell me that our coaches weren't frustrated with all this that went on. I'm not saying that they want to leave, but it's definitely frustrating. Just like when you and I go to our job and we're supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and then all of a sudden that person over there and did no work. Like everybody's worked in a situation like that, especially if you worked any type of retail customer service job, you come to, you come to work the next morning and nobody cleaned. And all of a sudden you showed up and you thinking it's going to be cool. Store opens in 10 minutes and you pulling up like, so I got to clean and open up the store. We're asking the coach to do that. Coach got to clean, clean up the program, fix the program, run the program, check grades. Okay, that's cool. But at a certain point, when do we give our coaches the help that they need to be able to make sure that, hey, that's just one less thing on them? Hey, we got an NCAA compliance people. You focus on coaching. You focus on recruiting, building the program, because we already have them doing fundraising and everything else, which the head football coach shouldn't have to do fundraising. He should do some. Like, that's cool if he does his stomps around. But primary fundraising should be done by athletic directors. And we've, we've seen that before. We've had good athletic directors. We need another good one. And we need compliance people to come in there and help fix this program. Because if not, I ain't going to say we're going to get a death penalty because the NCAA is kind of toothless right now when it comes to that kind of stuff. But at the same point, we can get a postseason ban. And if you're getting a postseason ban, and we've had postseason bans before that kept us from going to the playoffs and celebration bowls. You're forfeiting a million dollars right there. I, let's say NCAA, they let all our players come back. Everything works out. Everything's good. We went out the season. We get banned for the postseason. Well, if we win the SWAC and we get banned for the postseason, you literally took a million dollars out of your budget. Like At a certain point, you got to realize that athletics is your doorstep. It is a gate. Is it's one of the gatekeepers to the university. It welcomes people in and it also turns them away. And if you have a good athletic program, you're going to welcome people to your, your university. On the other side, in a strong juxtaposition to that, if you have a weak athletic program, people are going to be turned away because nobody wants to support a loser. I, I'm just saying, like, there's a reason certain teams don't have fans. Outside of New York, I don't know any New York Jets fans. Like, I'm not being petty. I'm just being honest. Right now, everybody in Florida is a Bucs fan. Why? Bucks are winning. Like, at a certain point, we have to come to realize and understand that as a university athletic program and a university as a whole, we have to support athletics in a way that's going to continuously promote the university to do better and greater. Because we just saw what the 100 did. The 100 put on a show. And the worst of it is, was that the ESPN broadcast was not the greatest of it. Like, ACC Networks. Like they were talking over the band. I'm like, I wish I would shut up. But that being the case, the snippets that we do have, especially when FAMU and UNC are performing together, I have already started to go viral. And that's the kind of stuff we need. We need to be able to be seen. We need to be able to see it in a positive light. 
And if we don't put our best foot forward, that's not going to happen. And hopefully this week we get this NCAA compliance stuff figured out so we can figure out who's going to be in Miami and who's not. Because if we have a if we have the team that we were supposed to have, it's going to be a good game. If we're walking in there with 50 players, it's not going to look good and it's not going to bode well for the season progressing forward. So as always, y'all, though, we're going to we're going to do this on Thursday. We're going to talk about the Jackson State game and kind of what to look for. And hopefully we find out more about who what players are there. And we also get our athletic director this coming week. So I'm looking forward to it. Good times and excitement, as always. It's going to be fangs up. Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for an academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Dorothy, hey!